Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios in Dark Fringe Radio. And welcome to Dark Fridge Radio, your number one podcast for conspiracy, paranormal, and everything crazy and weird. And of course, every week I do this with my best friend, my co-host, Jay Galosi. Jay, what's up? What's going on tonight, brother? My brother from another mother. What's going on? What's going on, man? How are we doing? Man, I am freaking pumped tonight, man. Tonight we have a great podcast, and I'm super, super psyched. And uh, I'll tell you why in a minute, but we'll get through all that here in a second. Ooh, dramatic pause. And then, uh, <laughs> and then uh, we'll do a little intro, mailbag, and we'll get into the interview of the night. And we'll talk about that here in a second. But I uh, wanted to remind everybody how you can follow us on show, uh, social media. Uh, that's on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio. And uh, you can keep up to date with uh, all the stuff that we do there. Uh, we're dropping daily stuff all the time. Crazy stories. Inspirational stuff, too. I like to keep everybody nice and pumped and positive. And, uh, yeah, so check us out there. And, of course, how you can listen to the podcast, you can go directly to our website. That's darkfringeradio.wordpress.com. And uh, you can just go down there and choose whatever link you want to uh, you know use to listen to our podcast. Uh, it'll link you up to... Uh, Google Play, um, iTunes. What else, Jay? Twitter, Spotify. Exactly, exactly. So whatever uh, you, you know, normally listen to any of your music or podcasts like ours, um, you can listen to it there. So it's uh, just look up Dark Fringe Radio. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, leave a five-star rating. And, of, of course, if you could, leave a comment. That really helps us out. So let's see. What, what else for tonight? I wanted to talk about Jay. Of course. I just came to my mind. Please. Came to your mind? Yeah. Imagine play with Coach Jay. Come on, that's man. right. That's one of our. That's one of our other platforms. Imagine Play is uh, for my own creation. I've worked with kids for actually this month is 19 years. I've done it. Wow, uh, that's amazing. So I've taken my own brand. Uh, yeah, it's a long time. I use my own personality infused in some of the classic songs like Itsy Bitsy Spider. Or um, actually, the one that's going to be dropping tomorrow is going to be a Farmer Brown as Five Green Apples. Nice. It's a lot of fun. It's great for the kids. They're quick, short videos, so they can be watched a couple times uh, in quick succession, which we know helps uh, the little ones. It actually helps them with retaining. It helps them with um, creating those those muscle memories, all those fine motor skills come through repetition. So uh, they're fun videos. They're really not annoying like some of the other kids shows on YouTube. Yeah. It's a lot of fun, uh, and it's growing. And our first, hopefully our first big episode, where I actually go out, and do uh, do something. We're going to be going out to Roger Dean Stadium. Nice. And doing some baseball stuff. So cool. it should be pretty cool. Uh, that one's going to be out hopefully in the next month. Nice. That's really cool. I'm looking forward to that, man. And yeah, listen. I mean, it's a wholesome, you know, videos that you can, you know, put on for your kids and not have to worry about something, you know, weird popping up or some kind of innuendo crap like that, you know, you see on uh, YouTube these days. You know, you can work, not worry about it, and you know, these kids uh, will retain, like what Jay says. And you know, there's a lot to be said about that. Um, and you're right about it because I see it with my own uh, daughter. You know, uh, she's four, she's in preschool, and they're teaching that repetitive stuff. And now she knows, like, you know, the 12 months of the year and, you know, every day of the week. You know what I mean? And so I, I find that that's, uh, you know, really helps out, you know, child development. So you're on to something really big there, Jay, and we're going to support that hugely here on Dark Fringe Radio. So again, Jay, tell where everybody where they can catch that. Uh, you can go on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, and look up Play with Coach J. Um, and it should pop right up. I'm fairly easily to spot because I've got a glitter beard. <laughs> he does. It's a green glittery beard, right? 
Yep. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. Well, yeah, listen, Jay, uh, we're going to continue to support that. It's Imagine Play with Coach Jay. You can check it out on Facebook and YouTube. Just look up Imagine Play with Coach Jay. So um, another thing I wanted to promote here, Jay, um, every uh, day of the month of October, um, if you haven't seen, I'm sure you have, I've been doing a horror movie review for every day of the month of October. And so uh, you can check that out. I've been out. sharing those motherfuckers. I know, man. Every I know. I've seen them. And listen, I share them, motherfuckers. <laughs> well, yeah, listen, it's something that I uh, love doing for you guys and wanted to give you a, you know, a new movie for you guys to uh, maybe even check out if you've never seen and recommend. Uh, so every day of the month of October, I recommend a brand new movie. And uh, check it out on Facebook and also on YouTube. Uh, just Dark Fringe Radio, so pretty much uh, where you can check out all the rest of our stuff as well. So um, I think that's it for the intro, Jay. I think uh, that's uh, pretty much wraps that up. Do you want to go I ahead? Think and, that covers uh, it. Yeah, you want to go ahead and hit up the um, old mailbag. Please check your mailbox. A new message has arrived. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We can. We can. We can hit the mail. It sounds. It sounds wrong. Hit the mailbag. <laughs> Yeah, that could be a double entendre there somewhere. But uh, yeah, let's get to the mailbag, man. Um, so this week, uh, we had just one um, for this week, and it was actually a pretty long one anyway. So uh, it comes from a Greg Newkirk in Nashville, Tennessee, and the subject is Tom DeLonge. You know who he is, right? He's, uh, I think, the drummer or one of the bases for Blink-182. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, Greg writes, hey, I'm Greg from Nashville. I wanted to know if you guys knew that. Tom Lange's UFO research company paid $35,000 for an exotic metal that they say they may actually be um, just slag. So they actually thought at one point it was something that it was like some alien, you know, exotic, uh, you know, foreign substance, you know, substance. But it uh, looks like it's nothing but slag. And supposedly the SCE filing, the company said that it paid $35,000 for six pieces of bismuth magnesium zinc metal and a piece of aluminum so in late uh july motherboard reported that former blink 182 guitarist tom delange's ufo research company to the stars was in possession of exotic uh meta materials that according to the company were from an unidentified flying object so you know he's been on this whole ufo thing as of late you know he had that video yeah. uh that nasa said that you know is actually authentic you know so no not nasa but it was the navy excuse me um so uh so yeah that's pretty much it so they said that they paid like $35,000 for this thing that was supposed to be like an exotic metal and it actually just happened to be, that be shit. pretty much. Yeah. Worthless. Can you believe that? That would be shit. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess, I guess with the, the interest of it, right? If you've got that kind of money that's true. Uh, and you believe that that's going to be something that's going to help corroborate your point of view, it's going to help you build facts, it's going to help you um you know solve that next step in the mystery then yeah i can totally believe that um you know it's the shit let down for him so it's <laughs> not to be crap yeah but yeah, that's the way it works sometimes it's the gamble you pay it is it is it's all about what you get you know and uh well listen that's a, a interesting story yeah i saw a little bit of that and i was just like well you know just like what jay said it's like you if you have the money to do that just to piss away you know what I mean? Go ahead and do it. You know, and especially if yeah. it interests you. Okay. Yeah. If you if you're a millionaire, multimillionaire, what the hell? You know, what's thirty five thousand dollars really? At the end of the day, that's probably like three hundred and fifty bucks to us, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it would be. I would assume. Yeah, it hurt a little bit, but you know, not so bad. You know. But anyways, uh, so hey, we can recover quickly from yeah, it. Exactly. Exactly. So, well, that's a great story. Thanks for sending that in, Greg. And uh, that's it for the mailbag. Just a short one this week. 
Um, which brings us to our new segment, Jay, that we've been doing here lately. It's What the F Florida Man. And this is yeah, a, yeah this is a segment. Oh, that, yeah. <laughs> and this is a segment that, uh, you know, Jay and I live in the state of Florida. So we like to highlight some of the crazy, uh, you know, uh, goings-ons that happen in this crazy state that we live in. So, of course, we have... It's when you, when you wonder how Will and I <laughs> turned out to be so fucked up. <laughs> and... And just the right way. Yes. This gives that landscape. This gives that context. This just explains a little bit uh, about the state in which has uh, has bred the two of us out onto the world. So <laughs> it's the appropriate way to say it, right? That's right. Intro. Florida man. A Florida man. A Florida man. A Florida man. Now to the town of Sefner, Florida, near Tampa, where last night the earth opened up as it does increasingly, and this time it swallowed a 37-year-old man as he slept in his home. A man accused of destroying a liquor store in Okaloosa County told police he was in Alice in Wonderland. Matthew Horace Jones also said a caterpillar smoking a hookah told him to do it. A man calls 911 while Collier County Sheriff's deputies are chasing him, and he says... Donald Trump, our president, is his personal friend, a close one at that. A Lakeworth man is uh, not too happy. He's accused of getting violent when waiters at a restaurant told him they weren't giving away free pizza. Covering Florida this morning, a Key West man is behind bars. Investigators say he was caught with a large amount of cocaine hidden in this Cookie Monster doll. Holy shit, man! There you go. What the F, Florida man, Jay? What uh, story do you have for us tonight? Well, this comes actually, Will. From our hometown. Oh, let's hear this one. Fulton Beach, Florida. <laughs> a 40-year-old South Florida man was accused of attacking his mother oh, after boy. she refused to dress his mannequin. Wow, that is some Norman Bates shit right there, if you say. So, uh, this man, Mikkel Danker, was arrested by a Boy Beach police officer after being charged with Aggravated back battery on a victim over 65 years old and domestic battery by strangulation. So, on a Monday night, the police responded to a call from a 73-year-old woman who was bleeding from her face oh, no. uh, and had been being chased by her son. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? <laughs> the victim told the police that she was in the backyard of the home Holy when shit. Danker asked her to dress his mannequin. I don't even know what the fuck that means. Wow. We all go a little mad sometimes. But it sounds creepy AF, even if it is literal. Wow. Even if she is literally supposed to dress his mannequin. Why he probably, does he have a mannequin? He probably puts and on her wig. why does the mother have to dress it? He probably puts on her wig and like talks to himself in the mirror like, Mother, mother, no mother, like that. And I some, would fuck me. Oh, yeah. no. <laughs> yeah, that is some creepy yeah. ass shit. And that's in our town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's in our backyard, man. That's in our backyard, bro. Yeah, I mean, that that's, is literally that in our town. That is the city in which Will and I grew up in. Yes, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> wow. Bitch ain't dressed a mannequin. She got popped <sighs> in the mouth. Wow. Grandma got jacked in the mouth for not dressing the mannequin. That's unbelievable. Well, listen, again, that's uh, only out of Florida, man, and only out of our own hometown city here in Florida, Boynton Beach, man. And uh, th thanks, Jay, for digging that one up. Man, you did a superb job. <laughs> I give you A++ on this one tonight, man. That's great fucking... Oh, and just just wait. There are more surprises to come, too. Oh, I'm sure they are. I mean, this state, man, is unbelievable, man. Just the, the, the crazy amount of headlines that come out of the state. It's almost unbelievable.
it's insane. Uh, we're we're one of the states that had to have its votes recounted more than any other state. Yeah. Uh, there's just such a weird blend of uh, <clears throat> northern uh, aristocratic <laughs> nose pointy bastards, uh-huh. and then you have. People migrating over from Cuba trying to, to live a better life. Yep. You have a huge portion of the people. Are, there's so much diversity from the panhandle. Yep. There's way more kind of population from my Georgia yeah. Yeah. to Miami, yeah. which is fucking crazy. So, yeah, this state is just full of some whack shit, and there's some good stories coming up. But when I said there's more to come, Will, I've got more surprises in just this episode. Oh, let's hear it. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. You'll, you'll catch it when it comes. Oh, okay. All right. I'll catch it when it comes. All right. Well, the, listen, that's going to bring us, I guess, to the next segment. And that's going to be our interview uh, with Vicente DeSanti. And um, for those that don't know who he is, he is a filmographer, producer, director, actor. Um, he produced this um, uh, fan film, Jay, called Never Hike Alone. And, um, you know, you know me growing up, you know, Friday the 13th was probably my favorite, you know, horror slasher. Yeah, that was like my favorite. I mean, that's what I grew up on. You know, I liked, I liked Freddy and, you know, you know, I always, I always thought he was cool, but just Jason for me was just like, that's what I liked. And anyway. Jason was was your guy. Yeah. Like, honestly, as much as I could play and say I'm afraid of uh, Freddy Krueger and he, you know, is stuck in a very dark place. Out of all the slashers, (laughs) he's my favorite because he was by far the most effective. Yeah, yeah. For you, that was Jason. Jason's the one that you identify with the most. He was the one that, you know, again, I remember us, as us being kids, when, you know, Halloween was coming, which is coming again this year. Yes, it is. Uh, we would always, we would always have marathons where we'd watch the Nightmare on Elm Streets and the mm-hmm. Friday the 13th. Yep. And I just, it was, those were good times, man. Yeah, very good times. Very good times. So, he came out with this fan film, Jay. Uh, I mean, I think he raised like $30,000 to produce this thing. Uh, and uh, it's excellent. It's absolutely excellent. I recommend anybody to go check it out. It's free on YouTube. It's called Never Hike Alone. What's really cool about it is that there's actors from Friday the 13th Part 6, which is like my favorite one of all. Which favorite? Yeah, it's Jason yeah. Lives. It's the best one of all, in my opinion. Two of the actors from that um, series or that actual uh, that part they reprised their role in this film. So it's really cool that they came back and, and did that. And they, you know, really bolstered this fan film. And I think, uh, you know, it, it really gave it a lot more credence um, and a lot more effectiveness. It just sets it apart from others. But nonetheless, um, he's coming out with a sequel. It's called Never Hike in the Snow. And um, we actually um, uh, donated money to it, uh, the uh, fan film, uh, to their in- Indiegogo, Jay. So under uh, the uh, thank you of the next film, Dark Fringe Radio will be in the thank yous in the credits at the end there. So um, we donated some money <laughs> yeah. to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was cool. So, um, you know, I really liked the film. And I said, F it, man. This is, a, you know, something that should be done. And, um, you know, supported the uh, the new sequel. That's well, it's a good thing out. that we're not going to be recording podcasts. I know. Exactly. I know. All, on a, all I the days. it's not really that important. Exactly. Of course. But again, uh, so, again, our uh, interview with Vicente DeSante is coming up next. I hope you guys enjoy and you can check out, um, and if you want to, of course, donate. And the donations will continue uh, because they're actually coming out with a series after that. And you'll hear that um, little tidbit of information that was actually dropped. It was a, 
he actually announced it on our podcast, Jay, that there was actually sequels that are going to be coming out after that as well. So they're um, actually trying to produce like a YouTube series for that. So all that information drops in this um, episode coming up. So please sit tight, listen to uh, this uh, interview with Vicente DeSante, and uh, we hope you guys enjoy. Hey, this is Marie D. Jones, best-selling author and paranormal researcher, and you are listening to Dark Fringe Radio. It's that time of year again, and what better way to spend the summer months than in a place where you can play, learn, and grow. With plenty of activities to go around, we guarantee you'll have a fun and safe time here at Camp Crystal Lake, located in the Wessex County National. This is a Channel 7 News scene special report. At approximately 8.30 a.m., the officers arrived at Camp Crystal Lake. Identified as a group of several victims were reportedly hacked What you're about to see almost defies description, and some of you may not want to watch it. Pending investigation, Camp Crystal Lake has been closed indefinitely. Check. Check one, two. Hey everyone, Kyle McLeod here checking in on another glorious backcountry adventure. This week, we're going to be venturing through the Wessex County National Forest. I should mention, this hike is not for the weary, so I recommend only intermediate to advanced levels tackle this route. Intermediate, maybe, advanced definitely. So let me catch any noobs out here. sweet happened. I found this old trail marker on the other side of the creek. Now it's not marked in the guidebook, but I think it's worth checking out. Camp Crystal Lake. <laughs> Can't believe it. That story used to scare the hell out of me. I think someone was living here. Alright, Dark Fringe Radio listeners, tonight we have a very special guest. His name is Vicente DeSanti, and he is the director and producer of the Want Stomp films Never Hike Alone, and of course the prequel that's going to be coming out here in the near future, Never Hike in the Snow. And we are excited to have him, of course, on Dark Fringe Radio. Of course, again, Vicente DeSanti, how are you tonight, man? How are you, my friend? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Awesome, man. Listen, um, about a year or two ago... This movie popped up on YouTube, man, and I can tell you what, I'm a huge Friday the 13th fan, and uh, there's been some fan films that have come in and out, you know, since, you know, the creation of the canon of this uh, Friday the 13th, but man, I tell you what, this Never Hike Alone really, really, really brought me back to what I love about the the series, man. Can you tell me a little bit about what got you into, you know, uh, coming up with this idea of coming up with this, you know, fan film? Yeah, I mean, it really just came out of the love for Friday the 13th. I was working in the industry 
industry at the time uh, in feature animation, and I needed an outlet. I needed a place to go kind of do the thing that the reason why I came to Hollywood was to work on Friday the 13th films or something like it. And I didn't find myself in that, you know, as much as I loved what I did, I was being able to create, we were able to make films, but, you know, I wanted to get a chance to do the thing that I've always loved to do. Um, and that's where it came out of. And we were doing little shorts and we were coming up with something. And one day I turned to, you know, the team that I was building and I said, Hey, you know, if we did this Friday the 13th fan film, if you look at kind of what's there already, there isn't anything that really stands out from a production standpoint You're right. and the reason is is because they didn't have the tools when most of them were made like a lot of them were made early like late 2000s mid 2000s some right. of them were in the 90s even with like some camcorders you know yeah. that's that's what you usually thought of was what a fan film was you know uh you know independent filmmakers really didn't have access to that stuff and a lot of independent filmmakers because equipment costs so much to rent wouldn't waste their money on something that technically they could not make any return on so with the advent of digital cameras and making things easier and things getting cheaper, you know, spending a little cash to do a fan film actually can can do wonders, especially in the age of of YouTube and streaming and, and, and being able to take care of, a you know, take advantage of the Fair Rights Act and post something for nonprofit and have people look at it. And I was such a big fan of Friday the 13th that I thought, hey, you know what? Our group is really talented. I think we can create something in short form that fans will really dig. And if we put a five to 10 minute short on YouTube and people dig it, that's that's going to make me happy. That's that's going to I can't think of a better way to spend a weekend than to come up with something like this. And it just so happened that while we were in the process of doing this and eventually we came to the, you know, the attitude that let's create a trailer that movie, it feels like a bigger project and we don't sell ourselves short since we only have so much money, um, was in the process of, of filming that first trailer we, that we discovered the abandoned camp, um, and discovering the abandoned camp opened up a world to where if we continued to make it in fan film style, where we took time off of work, you know, on a weekend and drove up and shot as much as we can and pieced it together that we could create a pretty cool project. And that, you know, cr that from there was where Never Hike Alone was truly born. And it's been a wave that I've been, <laughs> I mean, essentially writing ever since. <laughs> no, listen, I mean, it's such a great <laughs> fan film. I mean, you've done such a fantastic job of really uh, capturing the, the essence and the aura of, you know, Camp Crystal Lake, the whole ambiance, the whole feeling. Um, there's something about it. You know, there, it's been missing since, you know, certain parts of the series. Um, you know, they've tried to go back to it, but it just never was the same. But when I saw your fan film, you were able to really bring it back. And I, I wanted to um, ask you, you know, where did you film this? Because wherever it was you filmed it, it was a, f a fantastic place. And it, it fit the mold perfectly for Camp Crystal Lake. I mean, where, where was this done? Uh, this was done in Big Bear, California, um, also in Angeles Oaks. There was also parts of it filmed in Flagstaff, Arizona, as well as Malibu, California. So there were a few locations that we utilized to create different sections of the of the film. Uh, most of it was done in Big Bear. That's where the camp was. Uh, it was a camp that we discovered um, on the back on a back highway. Uh, we were only told about it by locals. They gave us a spot in the map. We had to do research, look at satellites light maps and like it took us maybe a couple weeks to find it um and we filmed most of it there and if you know if you want to talk about friday the 13th uh legacy you know i would say you know i know part three four and five were all filmed in similar areas right. uh, you know from thousand oaks out to sand you know there's a lot of stuff in there of course um you know part six was obviously in georgia part seven was in was in uh in i think alabama alabama right uh 
Yeah, and then it, then it went to Canada. So the the section that we remember of like part three, part four, and part five, it really had that type of vibe. So we tried to utilize those types of kind of you know setting setting it in that type of world, that type of Crystal Lake, the California type one. Right. Um, and then obviously the the camp itself had its own aesthetic, which I loved. Yeah, I mean, me it, you, I couldn't have asked for a better kind of set design for what was there. I just loved the shape of the buildings. I mean, it obviously wasn't true to the original canon, and obviously the camp is much different from the original films. But using what we worked with, I imagine Never Hike Alone is not, you know, there's no way to really do a True Blue sequel to the original um, since so many camps have been used. But I think in a parallel universe and all the stories that have ever been told of Friday the 13th, I think the Never Hike Alone universe sits in a kind of its own place, taking influence from, you know, all the previous films that that that, that have come, but kind of existing in its own reality, um, but doing a lot of things that you'd recognize. So not really, you know, saying specific things happen to that specific way in that specific film, but similar events happen in similar ways. So we have similar characters such as Tommy, you know, such as Rick, you know, such as, as Jason. And in our world, they, they adhere to a certain, how do you say it, certain reality. Yeah. And and that's the best way to tell a Friday the Thirteenth. Each Friday the Thirteenth is its own is through its own lens. You know, each director has its own take on the character, and I think that that's kind of what we did. And we took the 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 camp, and we took our experience of how we found the film. You know, how we found the camp, and how we built the film, and built it into our lore. And that's really just kind of that's how we've kind of created all around that yeah no it's absolutely fantastic listen you couldn't have picked a better place it really fit the the <laughs> like i said the lore and uh let me ask you this how long did it take you to film i'm really curious about that since you did it such a small amount of time you know on weekends so, and stuff like that yeah so we started uh we actually started principal not principal we started pre pre pre-production we started testing stuff in january of 2016 okay. 2015 20, you know, 2015, 2016, that bridge, December into January, we were starting to go scout some of our locations. Um, and it was in May of 2016 that we released our first trailer. So that's when we first kind of developed the idea and went from there. And that's, you know, in a couple of weeks after May, we discovered the camp and we really started shooting for the film in October of 2016. Um, and prior to that, we had done probably about a dozen trips up to the camp for pre-production and building and all the things that we were going to do and how and figuring out how we were going to film it. We shot October through December, came back, you know, ran a Kickstarter campaign that, that fall and was successful, uh, came back in the spring in, uh, I think around April, started again and shot all the way through July, did pickups in August and released on, uh, October 13th, uh, on a Friday, uh, on October 17, yeah. 2017. Yeah, that's awesome, man. You guys um, really did a <laughs> wonderful job in actually crowdsourcing that thing and really putting it out there. Um, one question I wanted to ask you, uh, Vin, is that, you know, it's been two years since Never Hike Alone, right? And you've had such a success with this, over 1 million views on YouTube. I mean, could you have really have ever imagined this? I mean, how, how successful it's just, this has been? I mean, it's funny. The, the million views thing was kind of our goal. Right. As, as cheap as, as it is to say, <laughs> I kind of turned to my friends and said, you know what? With the popularity of Friday the 13th and if we made a Friday, you know, a fan film that actually looked like a feature film, I yep. think that it would get a million views. I, I bet you it would. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. And, and so did I think it would? Mm, I thought it would get a few thousand. You know, I knew if I put it on the right 
blogs and I put it in the right chat message boards and, you know, hit it up and read it in the right places that I could get enough people to at least watch it and weigh into it and have a discussion about it. I mean, really, Never Hike Alone was only supposed to be this theoretical piece of mine to kind of show Friday the 13th from my eyes. You know, right. we kind of talked about it before, bringing back certain aspects of the film that seemed to have been missing. And for me, that was Absolutely. suspense and terror. Mm-hmm. Also having a certain... Um, awe-inspiring look at the way Camp Crystal Lake is viewed through the lens and the way we treat it as a, as a setting and how it is a character in its own right and it has its own right. story and it has its own kind of pieces to it. And I, I, I don't know. I just wanted people to see Friday the 13th the way that I watched it. Yeah. And if I could convey that in a film, I thought that people might enjoy it you know, in that way, it's not the typical Friday. It's not your body count film. It doesn't have some of the things that you would normally expect. And even I, as I was making it, was doubting myself, saying, how the hell can I make this film without any kills? <laughs> and it really drove me to make everything else on screen that happened when we weren't doing special effects interesting right. and worth watching, you know, for, whether it was stunt work or it was the effects work where things were injuring Andrew but not killing him. Right. Um, you know, things like that. And I I think that it made it different. It made it a different experience. And it taught me that Friday the 13th has life outside the formula. And although I will continue to watch and support films that follow the formula and then do it in crafty ways, that the story of Never Hike Alone is going to follow its own individual storyline. And we're going to treat it as if, you know, it's it's more of an adventure movie. And I think that it's, for me, the ultimate ending of what, how I always wanted to see the Friday the 13th lore brought to a close in a certain way. Um, that's the goal of the web series is to bring this curse to a close in a way that you feel like every everybody gets their own closure in a, in, a, in a way, even Jason to some degree. And we'll see how that all plays out as we go along. And the first step in that in that role is really never hiking the snow. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more. And uh, we're going to talk about those next steps here in a few minutes. But um, let's uh, take a, a step back here. But I wanted to talk about, you know, a lot of this was kind of like um, it was in the same vein or the same canon as uh, Jason Lives. And, um, you know, you took some of the characters from there as well. Uh, was that one of your favorites of the series, you know, uh, you know, out of everything? Jason Lives is definitely my favorite of the series. Um, and Tommy Jarvis as a character in general. I mean, the, the Tommy Jarvis continuity, I think, is the most enjoyable thing the franchise owns. Absolutely. Um, four, five, six is its own story. And mm-hmm. I think that the fact that those three films lasted through continuity is part of the reason why people watch those those entries so much, mm-hmm. is that we love that one film feeds into the next film, fills into the next film, rather than the randomness of the other films and the way they kind of have to clunkily set things up. Having a history creates story, and creating story creates interest for characters to grow. So that's why I think Never Hike Alone has this opportunity with Tom and with Rick um, and, you know, in having Tom and, and Vinny, you know, reprise these roles, we're continuing a lineage. We're continuing a story. These are characters you're picking up with. We're not just bringing them back for the fun of it. We're bringing them back because they still have story left to tell. It's 30 years later and this, you know, this problem's not gone away. No. You know, they'd wish it had gone away and one wants to deal with it one way and one wants to deal with it another. And it creates conflict and c- conflict is story. And that's ultimately what we try to build all of our projects on and everything that I've ever been a part of, a part of, whether it be, you know, as an employee or as a director that, you know, the, my, our mission director is always to tell the best story possible and to put that first. Um, and the only thing that subsides that is good character. And I think that Tommy being able to continue his story and using him to kind of guide my 
view on Friday the 13th to a close makes him the ultimate conduit of this story because he's his character has been hanging on to it the longest, has been there the most times, has come back. You know, now this would be, you know, if you count Never Hike Alone, this will be his fifth time returning to the screen. Yeah. Um, and this will be Tom's third reprisal. And through the whole thing, um, he'll continue to reprise him and it will be, you know, his opportunity to kind of do something for Friday the 13th that hasn't been done since 456, which is have multiple series entries that all play into each other and that follow a continuity. And we're going to see things in Friday the 13th we've never seen before. We're going to see Carrie, like we're going to see Jason evolve that as he takes damage, his damage will continue. But the base Jason will stay the same as well. We won't get, you know, a jump from Steve Dash to, um, to uh, Richard Brooker, to Ted White, where it's, <laughs> and three different makeup artists that have three different versions right, of Jason. This right. is all going to be an extension of our original Ghost Jason. It's always going to stay that way. So it's going to be kind of like if Friday the 13th was treated with the type of love and care that the fans see it as. I think if that makes sense. Because when we watch them, we forgive them for that. We forgive them that, that Jason looks so different. And we had, we love that, you know, there's all these different Jasons. And I think it's created variety. But in one section, it would be nice to just see one that's like that you can't see, you know, the, the wires and the boom right. mic and the, oh, yeah. and the you know, that type of, of feel mm -hmm. to it that it's treated a little bit more seriously as I think in the 80s. As hard as some of these people worked and did well, I think it was always like, well, it's a Friday the 13th film, so whatever. Right, and right. I think if somebody went like, no, this is a Friday the 13th film, let's do – like, let's, let, let's yeah. treat it with some respect exactly. and actually show you that the base concepts for this franchise are strong. They're strong in story. They're strong relationships. Um, there are strong stories to tell and it can stand alongside some of the better horror films that it's mostly that it's usually thrown under the bus for like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street and some of the other ones that, you know, I think get a little bit more story credit and get a little bit more credit above Friday the 13th, which is just seen as like a, you know, a cheeseburger film and they don't really have to make sense. And so what with the continuity? It's like a. Imagine it's like it's kind of like Friday the 13th is kind of like that kid who sits in the back who's a B student who could be an A student and it actually applied itself. And I, and I, and I love I that analogy. Also, I love it. Yes. You know what I, You're I think absolutely that's the right, best though. analogy for Friday the 13th. Yeah. And I think it's time for fucking Friday the 13th to hit the books, to yep. study some shit and to, to ace the test. And I think that Never Hike Alone was a good um, – I think for us was a good – proving ground for us to show that that we might be able to to have it achieve that and i i can announce officially right now on your podcast that we just crossed fifty thousand dollars and we made our goal Wonderful. a week ahead of schedule look at that so we're about to take this money and go and produce something that feels like the friday the 13th fans have been waiting for someone is going to take their hard-earned money and turn it around and take their passion and their love for Friday the 13th and put it into it. And hopefully that reflects and I hope people reflect with our vision and the story that we want to tell and that they buy in and that they're ready for three more stories after this that, you know, I want, you know, I want people cheering. I want people crying. I want people just on the edge of their seat getting this story to see how we're going to tell this conclusion and how fans who literally they didn't know who we were two years ago are now going to help them kind of rewrite the history of Friday the 13th. Yeah. You just announced last month and thank you for that, 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 I mean, that was awesome that you just dropped that on the podcast tonight and congratulations for, you know, hitting your goal ahead of schedule. Um, no less. Um, you've announced last month that you're coming out with a web series with what three new features after this. 
Yeah, so each one is an episode. Um, it will be between 20 and 30 minutes. Um, one of them might be around 35, 40, depending okay. on how much story we pack in and also how much money we raise. Um, obviously, the more money we raise, the more we'll add, the more we'll finesse, the more we'll, you know, we'll, we'll find a way to, to put it within into the film. Um, but the idea is, is that because we cannot profit from this, because I can't pay myself or because I can't pay some of the people on my team, I can pay independent contractors to build stuff for us. But ultimately when we go shoot, we're out there on a fully funded production where we don't have to pay for anything ourselves, but we're not taking an income and you know, we pay for all of our equipment we pay for everything to be there. So the only way that we can do this is if we take time off of work and we take the time to actually go to work and save up some money and, you know, build up some goodwill with our teams and then say, hey, we're taking three days off. We're going to go shoot this entire piece. And when we're done with it, we're not going to put it in storage and then wait to shoot the next piece a couple months later. We're going to produce that piece all the way to completion, release it online, create another crowdfunding campaign, raise money for the next episode and do the same thing. And each time the, it will get a little bit bigger as far as budget, but we'll take that time off of work. We'll do it all in one succession and turn it around. Um, a good indication of how we're going to be able to do this is very much how we just did our film Pathosis. It was an original project, Mm -hmm. not related to Friday the 13th or anything else. It was written and directed by a good friend of mine, Austin Bonang. Uh, we achieved, you know, a, a 13 minute short on a three day shoot. Um, and so when we're taking it to the Telluride horror show next week, which we're really proud of. And we, I would say our production quality is up there with things that you would see on Netflix now. Absolutely. And that's, you know, and so I think that that's what people can expect is that we're trying to build a web series that could potentially well, have a life on a Netflix or a Hulu if it was picked up eventually and have that type of quality. So it would, staying along alongside other things but you're going to be getting that on youtube for free yeah and that's that's our kind of gift to the fans of like this is what they're getting if they if they're investing in us and they're investing in in never hike in the snow and, and the rest of the web series they're going to get things like this that that feels and treats it with that respect but now we've kind of cracked the code from an independent filmmaking standpoint on our production value mm-hmm. And how to get that to the highest level possible. And I think that as we move forward, it will just continue to increase because we keep adding so many talented individuals to our roster. I couldn't agree more. And you know what? The reason why this is going to be a success for you, I can tell you, Vin, is because the way you did it and how you did it and, you know, the people that you've included in your production, you did it the right way. One thing I wanted to ask you, and if the people who are not, you know, the ones who have lived living under a rock, haven't seen Never Hike Alone, there's a crazy cameo, of course, at the end of the film, Tom Matthew reprises his role as Tommy Jarvis, of course. I mean, how important was it for you to have him involved in this project? I mean, that's huge. I mean, to have him come back and reprise that role. I mean, the only reason why we're doing this is because of Tom. Um, when I met Tom, he pitched me a story and I loved it. The problem was, is that I was almost out of funding (laughs) and (laughs) there was no way I can go back and reshoot all of Never Hike Alone one to go around it. So I took his story idea and I basically built it off this one scene that he pitched me. That's going to be in the opening of Never Hike Again, the second episode. And out of this scene, I imagined 
Tom's life, you know, Tommy's life in this world and how he would fit in. And eventually he fit into the, the to that role of, of, as an EMT. And that's right. how he's kind of kept his finger on the pulse and, you know, has, has grown into like deal with his traumas by helping others. You know, I think his trauma and his, his experiences made him sort of numb to the traumatic experience. So when things kind of go haywire, he is the best person because he keeps a straight face and he always takes care of everyone around him more than himself. And quite often we'll put him himself in more danger, you know, where most people would stand back, he'd be the first one to run into a burning building of because course. ultimately, like, he he's going to try and save somebody, but he's not necessarily trying to stay alive in, in this yeah. world. It's not peachy keen for him. The things that he's been dealing with, you know, haunt him. He's, he's a haunted individual. Um, the curse is relentless. I mean, he dreams of Jason every night. He sees Jason every day. Um, and he just has this feeling that Jason's out there. And, and even though he sees him and he hears him and all these things, he never actually finds him. Yeah. And for 30 years, Tommy's been looking for this fight that hasn't come. And, and ultimately, you know, that's basically the, the idea that what it was born out of. And I wrote around it and I kept writing through the process of, you know, doing Never Hike Alone and finishing it. I was actually working on the sequel. And, and ultimately, by the time we released Never Hike Alone, I had a fully fledged out sequel ready to go. The only problem was is that it was very expensive. And we went to a bunch of production companies to see if they would just want to outright fund it and do this and, you know, basically say like, hey, if we just put all the money up front and then just even back out with with blu-ray sales maybe right. we can get it done that way mm -hmm. nobody bit um and the more i looked at it i realized that trying to raise 250 to three hundred thousand dollars was just kind of out of our reach mm -hmm. um i really love the friday the 15th fans but i didn't want to put that kind of pressure on them i also mm -hmm. didn't want to bring on the the type of you know legal issues that might cause because it's starting to get up there in, into such a higher range so we thought by breaking it out into the episodes it made it easier to produce it made it allows us to control the costs so we're only going up for so much um it allows for uh backers and fans to recoup you know their money to not have to give so much at all at one time in fact we're really encouraging people who you know, we're on the fence just to give five or ten bucks. I mean, a ten bucks gets you a digital download of Never Hike Alone, Disappear, a music video that we just created with Ghost Jason, and Never Hike in the Snow, along with a credit in the film. And just to say you're a part of it. And imagine if just a few thousand people did that. That's a couple, you know, all that money goes directly into the film and really helps us. Um, but, you know, back to the, the production thing, it's, it's really about controlling the cost and also controlling the production so we can go in and execute on the types of schedules that we're going to be doing it on. Um, and once I figured that out, it became about timing. And so last year there were a lot of other fan films that were coming out. Like we helped a lot with Jason rising, mm -hmm. which raised about $30,000, um, is continuing to, to crowdfund yeah, and doing really, really well. Uh, they're about 95% done filming. I think they got another 5% to go. They're going to do some pickups and things like that and start cutting. Um, I'm really proud of those guys. I think you're seeing, you know, things out there like uh, I think the Tale of Camp or the Fall of Camp Blood, Vengeance just came out. Voorhees is still on the horizon. Um, what was the he he comes at night just came out. Night. Return to Camp Blood came out. Yeah. Um, so you're seeing a lot of stuff um, from fans, which is really cool. But so that was a really crowded market. <laughs> yes, it was. So now that everyone's starting to kind of come out, everyone's finished their crowdfunding, and we were going to start with our winter short. Um, never hike in the snow, we thought, hey, you know what? September 13th is coming up. That's what we're going to aim for. We All this never hike alone, the snow stuff, all this all the sequel stuff, we've had this under wraps for about a year. Wow. And yeah, I mean, it's all been kind of 
figured out. It's just when was the best time to to launch it, to and, and like. And, you know, we just didn't want to get lost in the fold and we didn't want to take too long. And it wasn't until we knew that we could launch a crowdfunding campaign that we wanted to tell everybody what we're doing. And we knew that people were asking and, you know, it gave me a chance to tour the country. I went to a lot of conventions. I met a lot of fans. I got a lot of questions about it. I got a lot of ideas from fans asking me questions and making sure that I was, you know, filling in holes in, in the plot. And I've pitched some things to some people. And, you know, I, I, you know, people are really excited. And we were showing them the Never Hike in, Never Hike in the Snow artwork that we had and they were getting really excited so we knew that we were kind of primed and ready for this it was just it's been a long time coming and now that you know the wave's starting to move and and we're going to catch it again and and hopefully you know in the spring we come out with you know the the snow short that everyone's been waiting for yeah and that's uh never um hike in the snow and that's a prequel to the original never hike alone correct correct so this you know it's a Never Hiking the Snow is a prequel, and it's to set up Tommy and Rick and some other characters that you'll meet in in the web series that we'll begin filming in the spring. Um, this winter, we're going to take some of the some of the crowdfunding money that we're getting from Never Hiking the Snow. Our our hope is to do Never Hiking the Snow on as much of a tight budget as possible. You know, doing everything that we want to do to make it fantastic, but we also are trying to use some of this to pre-production uh, and get some things rolling for Never Hike Again. So we could almost get start shooting if we raise enough and then raise and then start the second campaigns where you know everything will be Never Hike Again related and allow people to back us that way. Um, but then, you know, at that time kind of launch it. So we're, we're trying to back the two productions up against each other that way. Um, but it's going to be, I don't know, we're just, we're just really excited to get out there and, and, you know, bring this thing to life and, and, you know, to see Jason in action in the snow um, and what we have planned for the opening of – I mean the opening of Never Hike in the Snow is <laughs> I mean, it's going to be amazing. And it's it really – everything was built around this opening and, and this kind of idea that I had. And it wasn't until I kind of analyzed the character and I analyzed some of the other characters that are involved that I decided that I wanted to connect it to the rest of the series even. Um, eventually, originally it was just going to be like a little short where we killed somebody in the snow and that was it. But now we've turned it into an actual episode, which sets up multiple characters. Um, and, but the opening <laughs> is like really a lot of fun. And oh, it what be. it does is, is if you've ever remember in Friday, the 13th part four, as the camera pa- kind of like looked over at a door in the, in the hospital and you saw a family crying and they shut the door to give them privacy. Right. And you never really get to know the families of the people involved. I mean, we got to see Rob for a little bit, but right. you know, his, his life was short lived and, and we didn't really, you know, get the impact of like what it's like to lose somebody. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that's one of the things that this, that kind of like grounds the grounds, the episode is we learn more about the victim's family yeah. and what their role is in town and how they're affected by it and how the police handles it and how, you know, you see that, that, Crystal Lake is kind of this powder keg teetering on this lie. And, you know, how long can Vinny and, you know, Rick Cologne keep it up? And, you know, how long can, you know, how vague can he be? You know what I mean? (laughs) And, and, you know, how, you know, especially this devastated character who ends up becoming a big character in parts uh, two and three Mm -hmm. and four. I mean, she, you know, she's a, a, this character becomes an important role and, you know, we're, we're looking to cast it and it's something that we you know once we're ready to announce um we'll be able to do it but it's like this becomes an important role of somebody who comes in the later episodes and we thought this would be a great backstory considering their role within the story um 
and recognizing the fact that like we wanted a strong final girl for this to pay homage to the other strong final girls that have been a part of the series. And so we're really taking care and casting that. And the other character is going to be cast based on who we cast there. And, and like, there's a lot of stuff, but, um, you know, but ultimately it's like, we're going to get to see Vinny in action, which is going to be a lot of fun. And then Tom, of course, and then Doug is going to step into the, you know, Douglas Tate's going to step into the shoes of uh, ghost Jason. And we're going to watch him, <laughs> just go nuts and it's going to be fun and it's going to be great to direct him um, and be behind the monitor for it and design it you know and we got Nora Hewitt who's coming on to help with the special effects Justin Mabry who's helping with the design and concept along with Bill Hunt who's been doing a lot of my story moment concepts um, you know Kelsey Burke is still open door policy with her she's been off doing amazing things like Swamp Thing and other big shows and um, she'll be doing more uh, sculpting and, and you know effects work for us as well um, so it's going to be a lot of the same people just now we have the, the support to do it. That's awesome. And for those that don't know, um, man, you stepped into the role of Jason Voorhees, man. How was it playing that role? I mean, it must've been exciting for you. Please tell me, I, I need to know. Yeah. I mean, playing Jason's a lot of fun. Um, it's a lot of hard work and wearing the suit is taxing. But I think I just took it really seriously from the get-go. And when I decided that I was going to play Jason for it by necessity, I, um, you know, I just practiced a lot. And, you know, it was getting into a headspace and, and things like that um, that really helped. And learning postures and acting and, and a lot of the stuff that I had learned in animation as far as with the way characters are posed in animation to give off certain emotional vibes and understanding kind of like it, it's amazing how much animation is the understanding of the human language of our body language yes. of our emotional language and it was something that i now pay attention to in live action in the way that i direct live action actors in the way that i position myself and do that so a lot of it comes from my training in animation um for how to position and move and you know speeds and things like that and, you know it, it was funny um it's funny to, to think about how I reverse engineered that, that listening to a director talk about animation speeds and why certain things kind of work on a certain cadence or have to have a certain follow through or have to have this certain kind of motion blur to it um, helps you when you're doing stuff in live action too because everything in animation is manufactured. There is nothing natural that happens. It's like sometimes we wish we could just naturally go in there and make it happen, but it takes a bunch of computer algorithms to, to recreate what is real life. And so in creating, you know, in, in being as a part of that process, um, I was able to kind of reverse engineer that. And I think about that as I'm t telling people how to walk, I kind of know how to adjust their speeds and kind of, especially with the Jason role of it. I know it's kind of like a tangent, but mm -hmm. it's kind of funny in a, in a way of like how I kind of break down the way the movement is and like really being subtle about it. But yeah. it's also about the emotional kind of character in it. And I think that that was one thing I wanted to do with Jason. He was powerful when he needed to be, but he was also soft when he needed to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, since that I got to play it in disappear and disappear. I got to do a little bit of acting with it. You see emotion in Jason. And I think that's one thing I want to bring with ghost, you know, his little nickname that he has is that, you know, he's, a lot more like that Jason that we saw in part two, three, and four, who is, you know, has human qualities, who thinks, who feels, who, you know, Emotions. is, is, you know, is part human, but also undead and right. conflicted. And I think that that, that makes again for an interesting character. It brings something new to the franchise. He's not just a mindless killer. He's not just waking up and hacking. He's had 30 years to kind of think about this. And, 
you know, he keeps living, you know, obviously in disappear. We see that like he's living the same day over and over again. He's always doing the same thing and nothing changes. And now he's kind of gotten what he's wanted. He's found solace. He's murdering people and getting away with it. No one's finding him, but it's not bringing his mother back and he's still alone and he's still with no one and he's still just sitting there and you know in the camp with no place to go because where else is he going to go and so he's kind of left questioning his existence so there's a little bit of that going on and like i don't know i just i just like to look at this thing in a really nerdy deep way and and i think out of that comes a a true and honest character yeah and i think the attention to the detail is (laughs) what really separates your film from others i mean uh, one example that i always love to give that i i always tell people about this film i said you know anybody who loves these kind of films i tell them to watch this um you know i said the attention to detail like especially the part where you know tommy's calling it on the radio saying that he's on cunningham road not a lot of people know that that was of course an homage to sean cunningham back in part six you know about mm-hmm. you know naming that road after i mean things like that you know what i mean only things of yeah. real fans of the friday 13th film would like appreciate and love and that's what i love that you've done with this film yeah, I mean, I want to try and break. I want things to be recognizable. I can't recreate it one for one, right. but I can, I can try to make it feel like those things from other movies still exist. And I think that that's kind of what brings it in, like bringing up the the murders. I think that that was a great theory that mm-hmm. ended up proving right. Was that like when we brought that element into this film, it was like, wow, you felt like you carried, like the film carried over into this. Yeah. Like the all the old story carried into this, and so it gave our story a little bit more weight, and it gave our um, it gave our viewers a little bit more understanding, especially the Friday the Thirteenth fans. They yeah. they were kind of brought into the story a little bit more and, and brought down memory lane, which I thought was nice to go all the way back to the first one rather than trying to really hemorrhage in things from other sequels, which I believe the more fair weather and non Friday fans would have had trouble understanding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think that, you know, try, even trying to like explain Forest Green and things like that, I right. think that that was just kind of a waste of time. It was just like, let's just call it Crystal Lake because that's what everybody recognized. When you say Camp Crystal Lake, everybody knows what that is. Right. Forest Green, I've just eliminated half my audience. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So sometimes you have to make those decisions and it, it's, it's, better, it's better for the movie and – I'm sorry, I just, you know, and even the films did it. I mean, part seven changed it right back to Crystal Lake. And we sure wrote did. that into our script, too. So it's, uh, we, we pay attention to detail. You did, you did. And listen, guys, I mean, this is all up to you, you know, the fans, of course. Uh, WompStompFilms.com. Go there and you can um, help with the Indiegogo. I mean, you just finished up here, Never Hike in the Snow. There's going to be more for the next three web series. I couldn't thank you enough, enough Vicente, for coming on and uh, talking to us about this, you know, this new endeavor that you're going on. And this is going to be huge. I'm telling you right now. Uh, I see something big coming in the future for you. And I can't wait uh, to see what the next thing is going to come out. Uh, I can't wait to never hike in the snow. I'm really excited about that. Uh, I, I can, you know, wish you continued success. Um, again, where can everybody find you and find your films and so on and so forth and support, um, you know, your um, your projects? Yeah, you just want to look up Womp Stomp Films, W-O-M-P-S-T-O-M-P-F-I-L-M-S. We're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and we update there constantly, especially on the Indiegogo, which is going on right now. So if you go to Indiegogo.com and search for Never Hike Alone in the film, I mean, Never Hike in the Snow in the film section, you'll see Never Hike in the Snow is still up. We just crossed our... Uh, our goal of $50,000 and we're still campaigning. We have another week left for the initial campaign and the initial uh, kind of like backer perks. Nice. We're then going to go in demand. So people who missed that deadline, 
Uh, we'll be able to kind of pick it up for about a month later, but we are going to shut some perks down like, like masks and VHS and, mm-hmm. and other things like that. We'll, we'll, we will leave some of the other perks open for, for purchase. Which I love, um, the, the perks of the VHS. That was just a, a homage back to the 80s. That's awesome. Yeah, no, I mean, P- VHS is back, and, and people <laughs> really enjoy collecting it. It's a nice mantelpiece, yes. you know, and I think one thing we take pride on is that we have, you know, I've, I've worked with Skynet in the past, and they, they were, they've they were been great, and right now we're working with Tapeworm Video, and they've done an amazing job with our current, you know, batch. Um, you know, they're show pieces. They're going to look nice on your, on your counter. They're going to look next, nice next to your other Friday the 13th VHSs. They're going to fit right in, feel like it's a part of the franchise. And, um, you know, so, and people eat that up and we do them in limited batches, but I feel like we have enough juice and we have more films coming up that we're going to continue creating more VHS as we go. Right now, the Blu-ray just became available for Never Hike in the Snow. I was going to combine it with other stuff. Um, to make it easier on fans, but fans demanded that we just put it on its own disc. And so it's got its own disc, its own artwork. We just released it today on Sunday, October 6th. Um, and so that's going to be up and people can just get that if they want. Um, and those will be available obviously after we finish the movie, we'll print a Blu-ray, we'll have uh, disappear, uh, never hike in the snow and, uh, behind the scenes, obviously with commentary, we're going to include our short film pathosis in there as well. That way people feel like they're getting a full batch of Womp Stomp films and not just kind of nice. like one little thing. Nice. And we'll do that for each one. It'll be, it'll be a lot of fun. Beautiful, beautiful. I just, um, contributed to that, uh, through Dark Fringe Radio. Uh, we just picked up the Blu-ray, so I'm excited to get that through the mail and, uh, watch that again on the big screen here. So really excited about that again i wanted to thank you so much vicente desante and you can follow all that stuff at wompstompfilms.com thank you so much vicente for coming on dark fringe radio my friend all right thank you very much thanks for having me awesome thank you all right guys i wanted to thank uh, vicente desante for uh coming on the uh, podcast and talking about the sequel to never hike alone which is never hike in the snow and uh, of course um, you can uh, go to his website wompstompfilms.com and uh, support the uh, sequels that are becoming uh, that are going to be coming out. Give anything that you can that, that uh, if you'd like to. Uh, there's different perks, Jay. That if you donate um, certain amounts of money, um, they either get you like a DVD. Um, I, I know one perk if you like donate like 150 bucks, they actually get you like a, a Jason mask. So um, it's like a replica. What? Yeah, it's really freaking cool, man. It's like a, a replica from the movie, and it looks like it's superb looking. It's really done really well. So, uh, yeah, legit, that, huh? yeah, it's super legit. So, yeah, guys, check that out. Again, it's wompstompfilms.com. That's W-O-M-P-S-T-O-M-P-F-I-L-M-S.com. Check that out. Give what you can to the Indiegogo. Support it. We did it, so you should too. So, uh, which brings us to the uh, next segment for the night, Jay, uh, What to Watch. And this is a segment that Jay yep. does for us um, on a weekly basis and gives us a little bit of a uh, recommendation of something that he's seen on either TV or uh, movies as of late. And so he gives us his recommendation. So what do you have this week for What to Watch, Jay? Well, so, Will, every week, <laughs> every episode here it is. for the past two years. Here's the curveball, guys. Done it, right? uh, here it is. I'm, I'm calling it right now. Go ahead. Yes, sir, you're right. I'm not going to do a What to Watch. I'm going to do what not to watch. Ooh, nice. Let's hear this. I went and recently saw The Joker. Oh. Now, I am a huge comic book nerd. I love comic books. I'm very deep in a lot of the mythos. I understand a lot of the background and origin stories. Uh, And I also understand and appreciate when uh, movies, comics, uh, TV shows, 
even they can take the same characters, but kind of rework some of those things. I'm down for some reworking of origin stories. Uh, even if it's not the original way, it gives a different continuity, a different take on a great character. Right. I also will be the first one to say DC sucks asshole when it comes to making <laughs> of movies. Their TV shows are fantastic. Uh, Arrow, you know, Legends of DC. You know, let me interrupt Flash, you for a second, Jay. Fantastic. Let me interrupt you for a second. Why is that? Why do their movies suck and their TV shows are better? Why is that? I don't understand. Why is there a disconnect? I don't know. I don't know, but really, if you look, it's just, it's reversed for Marvel. Their right. movies are far superior. Way better. Their TV shows. I mean, Agents of Shield is it bad? Right, but it could be it was way okay. Better. Yeah, but Jessica Jones, Daredevil. Daredevil is one of my all-time favorite characters, and I just I I, I struggled. I struggled. I like the one on Netflix. Are you talking about the one on Netflix? Are you talking about the one on Netflix, Daredevil? Yeah. Yeah, you didn't like yeah, it? Yeah. Punisher, uh, Fist, uh, not Fist Fury, Iron Fist. Yeah. yeah. They suck. I don't know. I like them, man. There's maybe Jessica Jones not so much. I didn't really care for it too, too, too much. Um, I thought guy the uh, Char- uh, Charlie Cox, the guy who plays Daredevil, I thought he did a really good job of playing Daredevil. I thought. Well, I'm not saying the acting was the problem. Yeah. I don't believe the acting was the problem. I thought he did a great job as Daredevil. Yeah. What I'm saying is the feeling, the emotion, uh, it was almost like it was too contrived grit. Like, yeah. like they wanted to be gritty and dirty and dark, but in reality they, they tried too hard to make it look like that. Yeah, okay. And it ended up going the other way. So I said the stories weren't bad. I like how they – I like. Uh, I also like the guy that played uh, Kingpin. Um, can't think of the name of the actor. Uh, but Vincent, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. I, I think he was a fan. Huh? Vis, uh, Vincent D'Onofrio. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. his name. Thank you. I think he did a fantastic job. I I liked his take on the Kingpin character. Yeah. Uh, I felt like you got a little bit deeper into the 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 background, the the mindset, the psyche of, of the Kingpin. But again, on whole, they just all their their TV shows just seem to not be able to get to the heart of the matter. Like they're all kind of overblown yeah but the movies are perfect but i think it's because the movies are supposed to be big and overblown yeah dc when they make a movie they try to make it overblown but they always come in underwhelming but the tv shows they hit right on point yeah i mean you know dc does have their little glimmering points you know here and there like i mean the justice league movie was you know i didn't like did not like the ending of that movie it just anyways i have no it was, I have my, yeah, it was horrible um, but I do like that scene. Exactly. I do like that scene though, where Superman fucks up the rest of the fucking Justice League really easily <laughs> when he doesn't remember Listen. who he is, and he just goes fucking ham on everybody. <laughs> Bro. Listen, that is my favorite scene yeah, of the whole movie. That motherfucker. Yeah, dude, that was it. And that's a great, and that's a that's a great scene. Every movie's got a scene, okay? And <laughs> yeah, that, that was a shiny moment. Doesn't mean that, that movie's worth necessarily seeing for right. that one scene. And exactly. That, that's kind of. Getting back to my central what not to watch, yeah, was the Joker. Really, everybody said that it was good. Yeah, I know. And so here's where I take issue with the Joker. Let's hear it. First off, it is it is on point with how dark it is. It is on point with storytelling. It's the acting is fantastic. Okay, the score was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Joaquin Phoenix plays a fantastic Joker. His laugh is exact how it should be. Mm-hmm. With all these great things, though, the issues I take is, first off, it is slow. Okay. Now, yes, they're trying to paint a picture, and they have to, you have to get in the background. Origin stories tend to be a little bit slow, especially on the very, very front end. Yeah, yeah. This movie was slow until about the last 10 minutes. Mm. So it was you a slow don't really burn see all Joker the way to like the last Joker thing. until like the very end. Spoilers ahead. Wow. But, no, no, no. That's a, so, that, that's what I was saying. I was like, wow. So you only see the Joker for only like ten minutes for the the whole movie, huh? No, I know. You see the Joker right. in every portion. Got you. It's just the the you know the change, but only the last little bit is he actually the Joker. And if I'm honest. The way this Joker was written is where I take my most issue. Ooh. I'm not a Batman fan. Um, I, I'm a huge Batman disagreer. <laughs> At me. Whatever. I don't care. I can break that shit down. Yeah. Which is one of the reasons why the Joker is one of my very favorite villains. Uh-huh. Of one course. of my very favorite. Yeah. They took the Joker who is one of the scariest villains of all time. And I think what makes him more scary or characters like him, characters that aren't superhuman. Right. You know, him, Lex Luthor. Yeah, Lex Luthor is really smart, but he's just a human. Right. Like, those people, they're not... I think that that's more scary than people like Thanos or Loki or Magneto because mm-hmm. those guys are superhuman. Right. Those things are, are more deep in the myth. They're more deep in the story. But people like the Joker, it could be anybody. Right. Anybody could be the Joker if their give-a-fuck was 110% broken. And that's where I take my deepest issue. They they screw up some of the background story, if I'm honest, with the Batman and Joker's bond. The crossover, yeah. They, the, they, they forget almost the continuity of how... Batman came to be, and they kind of supersede him and, and start it early when it's never been brought up. How they, they everybody knows the idea that Joker killed his parents. Yeah, but that's or, not that's the one version of it. There's alternate versions of that, story. right? There's, that, well, that's the other thing. The other thing I always liked about the Joker was there were so many different versions. In fact, one of them was. Uh, Bruce Wayne, having traveled back in time, was going to stop his parents' murder. But then he realized on the journey that if he stops his parents' murder, he never becomes Batman. And then he has to watch his parents. He has to watch his parents be murdered. But this time, as an adult, he loses his mind and then becomes the Joker. That's one of my favorite ones. That one, and then also the, that, the that's some deep shit. Also, the one that the theory that Arthur Fleck is actually Batman's brother. Right. Now, see, this particular Joker went a little bit more towards that, although they explain it as, again, spoilers, the mom thinks, I'm going to try to leave it like that, it's a little bit mysterious, the mom thinks that Bruce Wayne and uh, Arthur Black are brothers. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's where we're at. Mom thinks it. It is part of the story. It's an integral part of the story. Um, but it's an interesting part of the story. Again, I think they just kickstart that just a little early. Yeah. 
for everything else. Everything else, the genesis of the Batman-Joker uh, conflict starts with the murdering of Thomas Wayne, mm-hmm. the murdering of Bruce Wayne's parents. Right. So with this movie, they, they jumpstart that. Yeah. And the, jo- the laugh, the Joker laugh that is synonymous with insanity, mm-hmm. but a controlled insanity, they explain away. Well, that's pretty they interesting. Explain away. So let me get they this. They say it's a it's it's a condition, like a mental illness, right? Like a moment of stress. He laughs and he can't control it. So it's like, yeah, that's like, one of the other things. Trichinosis, yeah. like those kids that you know when they pull their hair out. You know what I mean? And they can't help it. Yeah. When, when they get yeah, stressed, it's, you know, they... it's, it's like it's like, right. The card basically says it's a nervous tick. Right. But in reality, that's the other thing that made the Joker so scary. He laughs intentionally he found others suffering he found mass anarchy hilarious yeah he was broken. not because he was stressed not because it was a condition because to him that was how he had fun they explained that portion of the joker away yeah. they tell this beautiful story about how the joker came to be broken which would have been enough to make somebody criminally insane and diabolical but then they give him a card that says, ah, this is kind of what I do. It's like a tick. <laughs> well, listen, okay, so let me let me get this straight. So if a person doesn't take, you know, offense to the backstory and they just go into this film looking for just a, you know, for what it, face value, what it is, would you still recommend it or no? No, because it's, it's, it is so slow. Oh, wow. It is so slow. Yeah. It did, it's a two-hour movie and it really seemed to drag until maybe the last 20 minutes. Wow. The last 20 minutes, things pick up. Uh, if they'd done a little bit more, and I get there, I get it's an origin story. The tree, it was kind of dark. You have to really build the house because my guess is we're going to see a sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, Joaquin Phoenix does a fantastic job of playing the Joker. Yeah. You believe he is 110% fucking insane. <laughs> but again, it drags. The, the story is good, even if you can get over some of the little they made to the Joker character or the mythos, or if you're okay with them changing the that that diabolical laugh to basically what amounts to a fucking eye twitch. Yeah, man. Then I still wouldn't recommend it because it's just it's so slow. If okay. you're gonna if you're gonna see it, wait till it comes out on DVD. Buy it, get it on Netflix, rent it on Hulu, steal it on a Fire Stick. I don't give a fuck. You can watch <laughs> then; you'll get more enjoyment out of it. Awesome. awesome. Um, All right. So it spending the eight hundred dollars to go see it in the theaters uh, is not fucking worth it. Yeah, that's that's crazy. How much they charge nowadays? Uh, but okay. Well, thanks, Jay, for what not to watch, and that's the Joker. That's, Wait. Uh, yes. What? Whoa. What's going on? I don't like leaving on a negative connotation, so I've got one more. Okay. But it's not a what to watch. It's a what to watch for. New movie coming out. Check out the trailer. It's a new Chris Evans movie. And it's kind of like Clue. Remember Clue from the 80s? Like uh, the board game. Yes, like the board game. There was a, TV, there was a, a movie yes, I remember. called Clue. Yeah. Well, this new Chris Evans movie is called Knives Out. And it's semi-similar to that. It's about a, But this, they, they change it to where it's a mystery writer who's found dead. His family is there. This, there's an FBI agent um, played by uh, was Daniel Craig. Um, yeah. 
I want to call him David Craig, like from the Seattle Seahawks. <laughs> Daniel Craig uh, plays this FBI agent trying to get to the bottom of how this particular person uh, was murdered. So there's some suspense. There's some of that kind of horror magic. But Chris Evans uh, really lightens it up. He, he's almost there to keep the whole mood from taking itself too, too serious. Right. Uh, so the trailer's fantastic. Check it out. Go on YouTube, pull it up. That's going to be what to watch for when that comes out. I'll give you guys a down on exactly how it is. Awesome. Very good. Listen, that's a great review and a great uh, what to watch for. So uh, I do appreciate that, Jay, for uh, that this week. So uh, that brings us to the outro. I just want to remind everybody how you can listen to the podcast. Just go to darkfringeradio.wordpress.com and uh, you can just go there and click any of the links to uh, listen to the podcast. And of course, wanted to remind you of, of Imagine Play with Coach Jay. You can check that out on YouTube and Facebook. Just look for Imagine Play with Coach Jay. Check out my 31 Days of October Horror Movie Review on uh, YouTube and also on Facebook. Just look up Dark Fringe Radio and uh, check that out there. And give a you know comment. Leave something. Let me know. Share. Let me know if you agree. Tell me if it's a horrible movie or not. But uh, yeah, you can do that and uh, on Facebook and of course on YouTube. So uh, that's it for tonight. Jay, you have anything else to uh, take us out on? Don't go see the Joker. <laughs> Don't go see the Joker. Well, that's good. great advice, Jay. I, I can't it. stress it enough. Yeah, no, I get it, man. I get it. You know, listen, especially when people start hyping things up and then, you know, you, you, you go in there and you get let down. I hate that. That's the worst feeling. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. It. So, well, I uh, appreciate that, Jay. That's uh, that's it for tonight. I'm Will Martinez for Jay Galosi. Thanks for tuning in on Dark Fringe Radio. We'll see you again next week, guys.
human race. And if you keep that in mind, it's only called the human race. Everybody just come in different shades. It's a pity they didn't teach some of us our history. The black man is the original man. Come straight out of Africa. One country, one culture, one Africa. Then you hear everybody disseminate. Take the history and make it better. We designed the traffic light, the blood transfusion and everything that's right. Talk about mathematics, sciences. We don't just play basketball and pick football. We do whole heap other things. So know your history, know your roots. Big musicians, musician, musician, musicianship is one of the most difficult things. People don't realize how high level mathematics that they might play which side. Everything is designed around the mathematical instrument. So give love and give peace and give thought, but don't give too much peace that you get to rot, you know what I'm saying? The black man has his rape and his soul has been dripped. Need a lot of people to look up to. Don't follow the politician them, because they're only there for themselves. All of them. All of them law illegal. So we just want you to sing this song with you as we leave you. God is involved. Everybody, it's a set. Mandingo tribe. Mandingo tribe. Mandingo tribe. Mandingo tribe. Come see your hands up in the air. Come on, make everybody alive. Yeah. Greetings. How we feel? Irie, this is where Irie come in. Not good. How we feel? Can't hear you. You have to come louder so we can hear you. Irie, yeah. Not good. Not just good. Irie, not just good. All right. Irie, that's so nice. Sing it again. Irie, yeah. Irie, no more. You said, Mandingo try. I wanna go on like, I wanna put the things up. Yeah, like that. Mandingo track. Keep up your hand. Yeah. Irene. Mandingo track. You feel good? You feel good? Say yes. Feel good? You feel high Say yes. Mandingo track. This means yes. Irene. This means not so good. Feel good. Irene. When I get confused. Mandingo try. I don't know why we leave yet. We don't know. You like the show? Irene. That's our time to say Irene. Yeah, man. Night, safe travel. Thanks for coming.